You obviously know Kung Fu. Hi, this is Master Jose Torres, martial artist, instructor, and new publisher of Action Martial Arts Magazine, and you're listening to Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast. Welcome to the Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast. Adjust your speaker box, sit back, relax, and remember, your Kung Fu may be good, but mine is better. Joining me tonight is champion martial artist, instructor, founder of the North American Federation of the Martial Arts, most recently publisher of the reimagined Action Martial Arts magazine, Master Jose Torres. Master Torres, thank you so much for joining the Kung Fu Driving Podcast tonight. Oh, thank you so much. This is an honor to be on your show. I really appreciate it. It's an honor to have you, sir. Uh, Let's start from the very beginning, though. How did you first get involved in martial arts to begin with, and what particular styles drew you to the arts um i first got involved with martial arts in the 1980s early 80s i think i probably have a very uh cliche start in regards to (laughs) watching bruce lee or chuck norris and you know kicking in the living room and my mom was like oh you really like that do you want me to sign you up and find somewhere so my mom was a very supportive uh, both my mother and father were from puerto rico and uh, my mother, uh, you know, specifically was very, very supportive of, you know, everything that I did. And so was my dad, but you know how moms are. And, uh, you know, my mom found a local, uh, it was a Tong Sudo school, uh, Hamilton Karate Academy, uh, located in Willingboro, New Jersey. And uh, that's where I first started. That's where I got my first taste. And I uh, started, if I remember correctly, I want to say it was about 81 or 82, I think. About in 1982 is when I first started. So, um, and I haven't looked back since then. I mean, it's been it's been a great journey. Um, and the uh, system was Tong Sudo. It was uh, Tong Sudo Mudokuan. And that's, that was my, you know, first and primary system. Now, since then, have you expanded into a bunch of other styles or have you stayed in that Tong Sudo family? So the Tonsudo family, I've definitely, that's where my roots are. And I've also been teaching a lot and doing a lot of international seminars in regards to that. But uh, I also was a very accomplished um, Taekwondo practitioner, practicing WTF Taekwondo. I got involved with that when I was in college at Penn State University. I actually, um, they didn't really have a Tonsudo program or a Tonsudo team, um, but they did have a Taekwondo collegiate team. So um, I got heavily involved with Taekwondo and, and, and was a you know, pretty intense practitioner back then, did Junior Olympics and Nationals and all that other good stuff. And uh, uh, WTF Taekwondo, so it was all the Taegu patterns and, uh, you know, the Hogu sparring. And, and it was a really good time to do it, too. It was a really cool thing to do in college. Dibbled and dabbled in some Arnis, Kali training, some Judo. Uh, I actually trained a little bit in Judo. I uh, got exposed to it again at, at Penn State University. Um, they had a very competitive club there as well. And uh, those are probably the primary systems, you know, that I've been involved with. But but definitely my roots are Tong Sudo. Uh, that, that, that is the art that I really push. Now, you started when you were young and you continued all the way through your collegiate years and then even into now. Was that a continuous pursuit of the art or were there breaks in between? Because you know how kids are. You start something, then you drop it off for a little while. Maybe you pick it up again later. But was it one continuous stream for you? Um, I would probably say I started to my junior year of high school. I started to become a little bit better accomplished um, soccer player and wrestler. And I kind of backed off of training. Maybe I was going once a week, once every other week, but I never stopped. And then 
and when I went to college, the coolest experience that I have, and, and it's funny, my my older son goes to Penn State now, so we're like Nittany Lion family, you know? <laughs> but uh, my son goes there, and one of the biggest things that I remember, which he unfortunately told me they don't do anymore, is they used to do a martial arts night. And anybody who's familiar with Penn State, it's a, it's a university that has over 50,000 people. It's like a little city. And we had a martial arts night that I went to as a freshman. And I got to tell you, I was in awe. I mean, it was from Arnis to Jito Kwan to kickboxing to Taekwondo, WTF, and all those different things. And it was called a martial arts night. And they did it for all the incoming freshmen and you know transfer students. And it was probably like 40 clubs. Wow. So, yeah, it was really a... A, an amazing experience so i still continued and, and, and funny story i actually was involved with the kickboxing club that was up there i didn't they didn't have Tom sudo at the time and i didn't do taekwondo right away the first semester I, I started doing kickboxing when i was up there and then i met the the taekwondo guys and and you know got involved with the with the team and stuff like that but my junior year of college, I started to back away from it, got a little more involved with the classes and, you know, preparing for my major and different things like that. So I would probably say it was never a full break, but I just wasn't as active. And then um, when I graduated college, I came home, got a job as a, uh, I was like an assistant manager of a gym. And then I started martial arts, you know, training again and just started going. And then I opened up my first school in 2000. So I would say maybe a, a, a slowdown, you know, at a, at, a, at a pace, but never, I never stopped. I never stopped. And, and I was, I feel like one of the few, because like you said, a lot of younger kids, when they start younger, you know, they definitely take a couple of years off. And I just love martial arts. It always kept me out of trouble, kind of kept me directed to where I needed to go and focus. <laughs> so it, it was good for me. It was good for me. No, that's great. Uh, I uh, started martial arts very late. I, I started it only two years ago, two or three years ago, uh, I think now. So, yeah. So I'm coming to the game very late, but that's one of the things that uh, that now that I've done it for a couple of years, I kind of regret not having started when I was a kid. And you know, I, I like to think that I would have been one of those continuous trainers. I'm, I'm sure I would have stepped off for a little while as well. But that's one of those situations where, as an older guy now, youth is really kind of wasted on the young. Because if I had to have the opportunity with the drive to learn that I have now, I, I would hope that I would have continued and, and kept going with it. And, and you probably would have, you know, uh, especially as passionate as you are now. But I, I feel like certain things come to us in life at certain times. And that's when we're prepared to make that that move and go in that direction. Like even opening up a school, I never thought, I, well, I don't want to say that. I, I have, I always dreamt of having my own school. I just didn't know how it was going to happen. And it just, the chips kind of, you know, fell in line uh, for me opening up my school in 2000 after I was just home for about six months and uh, just really never looked back and kind of, you know, taking it to, to where we're at now today, you know, almost 2020. So it's been a great journey. It's definitely been a great journey. Well, how long did it take you before you felt like you were really fluent in the language of the martial arts, before you kind of knew that you, you really knew what you were doing? Um, you know, what was funny is I would probably, I was always the younger guy on the scene. I came from a very traditional school, um, even though it was run by an American. I mean, he still, <laughs> he still hit us with bamboo sticks and, uh, <laughs> You know, I, I came up in the 80s. We still got hit by the instructors. I mean, I was old school back then. And uh, we <laughs> sparred with no gear. So you learned how to fight. It was funny. We didn't like sparring with 
point sparring gear because it felt very awkward and clumsy. So when we sparred, it was bare knuckle and it was literally, you know, full content. We were hitting each other, you know, you punched the face, wow. kicked to the face. And, and that's how it was back then. I remember bruised shins and, you know, uh, bloody lips and, and bruises. And, and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And, and I thought I was a decent practitioner then, you know, I'd win tournaments and, and go to things and build up a little local reputation for myself. But, you know, as far as an instructor or really, you know, getting to that next level, I probably didn't start realizing that till I probably got more involved with the um, instructional side of Tong Sudo and also Taekwondo. And what I mean by that is once I started opening up my school, because I feel I felt like I was still looking, you know what I mean? Making sure I was the, you know, hey, I'm producing these kids. I'm, um, you know, teaching these children. I got to make sure I know what I'm doing. You know, I'm proficient. Right. And uh, it was kind of a trial by error. But what I really dawned on me was when I started seeing the kids perform better in competition. And then I started seeing it click. And then I started seeing kids where we still had the honorable display. They would see me in a mall. And they would stop and go to attention and bow. You know, hey, Master Torres, how you doing? And at the first when I saw it, I was like, wow, this is, you know, this is pretty cool. They're remembering from class. And then I realized now, and probably about six or seven years ago, when I've seen students that I trained 15 years ago, now they're coming back and they're you know, talking to me about some of the life lessons that we talked about. And they've been following, you know, my career and going to different countries and I, I want to say it was probably then, maybe about five years ago, that I really was like, "Hey, I think I know what I'm doing." I, I, wow! I, I kind of have. I, I do. I've always, <laughs> I've always never felt like I was. I, I was a know it all. I never felt that I was, you know, the top of anything. I just, I just wanted to train. I loved being around martial arts, and then just things started gravitating and putting me in a better position to teach and do seminars and things like that. And then, uh, and again, five, about five, I want to say it was about five, six years ago when I went to Korea and I was with um, some other masters that went for this uh, invitational Tong Sudo camp. And I got to meet some of the grandmasters and, and, and I hit it off pretty well. I mean, that, you know, we talked, they like my uh, technical skills and, and I haven't looked back, you know? So I, I would say probably about five, six years ago is really, really when I was like, wow, I think I know what I'm doing. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that's relatively recent, right? But uh, how about um, second guessing yourself? Uh, were there spots along the way where you were like, yeah, maybe this isn't what I should be doing? No, no. I, I have to admit that I never thought of that. It was, not necessarily, hey, am I right to, in the right career choice? Am I doing the right thing to further progress this martial arts journey that I'm on? That's what that was the question that came. So it was never a question like, oh my God, I only have you know X amount of students. Business is not growing. Business was always growing. You know, students were coming in, and that's it was giving me like, hey, I think I know what I'm doing, but I never felt like I knew what I was doing. Uh, <laughs> until then, until now, where you know I have other masters that come to me. I have other schoolers that ask me, hey, you've been doing it for 20 years. You know, what do you do? Hey, uh, I'm thinking about doing this after school program like this. What do you think? Well, this is what I do. And, and this is what, you know, I would recommend to you. So, but yeah, it's, it's just crazy. This whole journey, you know, it's just like wow. itself. Yeah. Well, speaking of that 20 years, when I was doing research on you, uh, the list of ranks that you've achieved is way too hard for me to remember. Uh, so can you, can you take me through a list of the ranks that you've achieved since you started? So, uh, in Tong Sudo, uh, I actually about, the last rank that I received was in Korea um, when I went, and that was last year. I was actually promoted to eighth in, in Tong Sudo uh, by the World General Federation. 
Tongsudo, uh, located in Seoul, Korea. Um, in Taekwondo, um, I only have a fourth Don um, in, in Taekwondo WTF. And I have a, it would be a Poyong Guru, which is like a temporary instructor in Arnis. And that's probably three official, you know, three official. Like I don't have a black belt in Arnis, but um, I was pretty heavily involved there for a couple of years with it and, and kind of stuck with it and, and actually developed a, a sports stick fighting system that we use within our federation. So, mm. um, but I didn't do any, you know, any other ranking besides that. I did not. Okay. Now, with all of that skill behind you, what is the driving philosophy behind how you teach the martial arts to your students? Foundation. Um, we try to make sure that each student um, has a good, strong foundation. And, and I try to individualize it per student. What I've noticed over the last 20 years with my business is, and martial arts in general, is in my specific area, I have tons of students. So if I have 175 active students, I can tell you that 150 of them are kids. <laughs> kids under the age of 15. Adults, I don't have a lot of adult students. It's maybe 25, 30. And I feel as in going into 2020, you know, most people, they're working two jobs, they're hustling for their kids. And even if they're, you know, very well off, again, they're still worried about their kids. A lot of times people don't tend to do things for their well-being or their self-development or, or even self-empowerment. They just don't. They worry about their kids, you know? And, and I think we all do that. You know, we always want the best for our kids. Um, so the approach that we try to do in our school is to provide an individual experience for every kid. So every kid that comes in is not going to be a rock star, is not going to be, you know, the next Bruce Lee or, or has an athletic ability that they understand how to chamber the sidekick and redirect and do all these things. But if we can take each child and assess them at a specific starting level and then get them to move from their starting level to the next level, you know, whether it's, hey, this kid can only do 10 pushups. Our goal is to get him to do 15 and then 20 and then 25 and 30. Or, hey, this kid memorizes um, techniques. So let's push him. Let's get him more technical skills. Let's get him more forms development. Hey, this kid's a great fighter, you know, not so great at forms. So let's help propagate his ability with fighting you know let, let, let's expose him to different things let's work on cutting the angles let's do this and let's do that um so we try to individualize it as best as possible and i think that's what's kind of kept me unique in my area um i'm still traditional i don't beat the kids with bamboo swords but we uh we, we <laughs> do use padded swords which is funny and then the kids all laugh and stuff but uh i'm probably more traditional than most I'm actually very pleased to say over 20 years span, I've only promoted, I think we're close to 25 black belts. That's it. That's it. Wow. Because I normally take, it normally takes about seven years for someone to get black belt under me. So I'm not the traditional wow. commercial model that's out there where most kids get black belt in two years or three years. That's not my model. And it's worked well for me. Um, but most kids, it takes them seven years, eight years to get black belt with me to get that proficient in it. But the one thing I will brag about is, is you know, the kids that stay, that make it to black belt, every single child has went on to go to four-year college or they went into the military and they've been very, very successful. And I'll be honest with you, that has been my claim to fame locally because, you know, everybody will say, oh, um, I'm just throwing a name out. Hey, uh, oh, I heard Tori got her black belt from you. And now she's at Misericordia and she's on the Dean's list. And now she's going into the FBI Academy. Yes. Those are the students who try to produce, you know what I mean? And yeah, I take yeah. pride in that. I mean, that's really what it is. So we have, it's funny. We have five active black belts right now, college students aging from uh, freshmen to juniors that are attending Boston college, 
uh, Misericordia University, Penn State University, Ithaca University. Um, I have a boy that's uh, in the military. He's in the Army, but he's going to be going to officer candidate school. I mean, these are all great, successful, on-the-rise kids that came from programs when they started for me at five, six years old, you know, and they're all black belts. So I take pride in that. I don't have big numbers that way. Um, and that's just always been me. But I think that that's been um, a testament to my formula and who I am and what I try to do. Oh, yeah, absolutely. A testament to to what you've uh, been able to help these kids accomplish. So kudos to you. How different, though, is the study of martial arts today than from what you were doing when you were studying it? Because you were talking about, you know, bare knuckle uh, <laughs> fighting, you know, when I train now, I, I have the, the pads on. I don't know that I can bare knuckle fight. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. <laughs> but um, so how different is it? It, it? And is it better? Is it worse? Or is it just different? You know, I think some of the training methods are better than when we were younger. But I also think some of the things are watered down just and that's more of a societal thing. You know, uh-huh. I just think that it, it, generally people have changed. You know, I think that you know, martial arts in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, and you'll see some of the videos from the old timers and how tournaments were back then. It was totally different. You know, um, I'm telling you, we would go into class and you would do point sparring and that's, oh, excuse me, was never called point sparring. It was called free sparring. And you would, you know, bow to to whoever you were sparring that day. You didn't have pads on and you fought. We're trying to punch each other, kick each other. And, and I remember getting kicked in the ribs. I remember drilling people with spinning back kicks and side kicks and, you know, reverse punches. And that's how we trained that. Now, can I do that now? (laughs) Uh, No. Uh, Do we do it? You know, it's funny. It's a thrill when I get to let the kids kind of bang a little bit and, you know, some of them get bruised up. Some of them, they get hit for the first time, you know, knuckle to body. And they're like, oh, wow, that feels different, you know? And I think that's what's changed about it. And I just think that's across the board because even some very, you know, hardcore schools, it's not the same. You know, there's different insurance regulations now. There's just different sure. every, everybody's worried about. It. You know, it's just I, I I tell you a funny story. I remember there was a young man that came into our karate school, and this was I think I was like nine years old, and I'll never forget it. And he was like a higher level belt. And I think he got into an altercation at school. And he was actually one of our better, you know, teenage belts. And he wasn't a black belt, but he was like a red belt. He's, he was an awesome kid. Like he was just phenomenal. And I remember he got into an altercation, and I think he ended up actually hurting the other boy pretty bad. And our master so mad at him. And I remember he sparred him in front of us. Now, most of us don't even do that. You know, you're not going to do that now. But that's what he did then. And it was funny because I remember that kid getting hit with a back kick and literally getting kicked through into the wall. Like, there was a huge hole in the mm. wall. Now, if you did that now, you know, it'd be on uh, Channel 3, Channel 6, or Channel <laughs> But that was how it was then. You know, like I said, you do a low block, and if your back leg wasn't locked straight, you got a, the Shanite, you know, kendo bamboo stick hit on your leg, and then you learned to yeah. that leg forward. I mean, I miss that, you know, and, and we modified that, like <laughs> I said. And no, I, I really do, and it's funny because I tell yeah. stories about it, and they look at me like I have, like, three heads. But, you know, we'll use padded sticks now. So I have, like, these padded sticks, and I'll, like, you know, bump a little kid on the leg. I'm like, sir, you got to straighten that leg out. They're like, oh, sorry, sir, sorry, sir, you know. So we try to keep that, you know, we try to keep that little method in there. But uh, definitely not like it was before. Definitely not what it was before. <laughs> well, what advice, then, would you give to uh, aspiring martial artists uh, when they start that search for the right school for them? Because I did searching for a while before I settled on the school that I went to. What advice would you give to to those of us that want to get our journey started? Definitely do your research. 
And I think that as an individual, you have to kind of find out what do you want to do? And, and, and you might not hear mo- uh, other martial artists say this where, hey, well, one style is better than the other. And I'm going to be honest with you. I think every style has its purpose. And I think every style and every system has its purpose with the specific individual that is in that system. And what I mean by that is, you know, a certain age, maybe a certain type build, they may not want to, you know, be on the ground. They 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 feel uncomfortable. They don't want to do jujitsu. So maybe stand up's a little bit better for them. Or maybe you have a student that says, you know what, I don't want to learn, you know, um, how to do spinning hook kicks. I want to do ground defense. So I think that it really has to go to the flavor as far as what they're looking for, um, what interests them. Um, you know, it's funny. I have some adults that come train with me that are fifty years old, and they said, hey. I always wanted to learn how to do a spinning kick. I always wanted to do karate, but my mom and dad never had the money then. So now I have money. I want to train, you know, and and it's a decision that they made as an adult. So I think that from an adult standpoint, they have to go with a system that interests them. I I feel do the research, you know, do, do the, um, and and anybody can almost find out, you know, most stuff on internet. I don't want to say the internet is, uh, foolproof and and you can find everything on everybody. Um, (laughs) but I really think that, you know, do some diligent research, talk around, talk to some different people and, and watch a class, you know, go to a school, watch a class, see how the instructor is, see how they work with the students, see how, you know, their teaching methods are and, you know, make the best decision and, and, you know, don't, don't get pressured by high pressured sales and, you know, don't feel like they're, they're stuck into a situation that they can't get out of because, you know, again, it's their choice and, and, and they have to find what's best for them. And, I tell the people, I said, look at other schools. I, I, that's literally part of my sales tactic. I said, look at other schools. We'll be fine. You know, this is where we're going. We want you to have a good time here. But we're not looking for you as a number. We're looking for you to become part of our family. And then that's how I sell it. And then I think that's what's worked well for me. Now, I will tell you, and I'll admit this to you, you're probably the first person I've ever told this to. The key to my success <laughs> has been my three boys. And that's a fact. Because when I teach, mm. I've developed a curriculum based upon the viewpoint of a father, of a young father grooming his son, you know, in grades and in, you know, grade level school from middle school to high school to college and, and, and really looking at the curriculum that I was taught and, okay, you know, what, what keeps these kids' attention span? What keeps them motivated? What pushes them? And now I have a second child and he's a sophomore. Then I have a little guy. And it's funny because my, my journey never stops because my youngest one is eight. So I have a 19-year-old and then I have an eight-year-old. So I'm still kind of you know, <laughs> at the ground level. And, uh, you know, th- those three guys are really, I have to be honest with you, they really have been the key to my success because, you know, there's even certain things that I've tried to do or certain things that I've done. And they'll be like, dad, I don't know if that's a good move. <laughs> dad, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, really? Or Hey dad, that was a great class, you know. Wow, da 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 da, and and they've really been the guinea pigs. They've been my toughest critic, and they they are part of Team Torres and the brand. You know, without them, there 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 is no Team Torres. My my three boys have really, you know, like I said, my oldest boy grew up in the karate school. He's he's turning twenty this year as the school is entering its twentieth twentieth year in business. I mean, he grew up in diapers. He was crawling on the floor, and you know, everybody knew who he was and you know, um, it's because of that. My you, they really helped with, with just the development and keeping the kids and, you know, Oh, they do karate. So, Oh, your dad's the math. Yeah. Let's, let's take a look at your school. You know, it's been, 
the boys, the boys have definitely been, uh, you know, probably the biggest reasons of my success. Yeah, I'm sure they're your uh, toughest critic. As oh well. God. yeah, they're brutal. They're brutal. <laughs> nobody, nobody that'll slice me down worse than them. I don't care if the guy's a, a tenth degree grandmaster from anywhere. If, if I can make it through my three boys, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> That's excellent. Uh, so uh, you opened uh, the doors to uh, to martial arts students. Uh, what doors has martial arts opened up for you since then? Oh, my goodness. Um, the one thing is obviously meeting individuals like yourself and getting this opportunity. I mean, never would I think of talking on a podcast. So <laughs> yeah. kudos to you, sir. Thank you. I, um, you know, I've had the opportunity to open up multiple locations. I've had the opportunity to, to travel the world. You know, um, yeah. when I was younger, I, I really, you know, we never went on vacation. My mom and dad were working two, three jobs. And you know, uh, unfortunately, I, uh, 2012, I lost my mom, and two years ago, I lost my dad. So, you know, only you know, only child, I don't really have anybody else. So, you know, family's been me. You know, that that's what I've surrounded myself with, and and I believe in that, and that's who I am. And it's really opened up the doors. Is uh, the first thing was be traveling. I mean, I've been to countries from you know the founding uh, country of Tongsudo to to Seoul, Korea. I've been there three times. Met some wonderful people there. Uh, we're actually going to run an event there in 2021. Um, I've been to Trinidad and Tobago. I think we're going on my 12th year there. Um, I do a lot of work in Trinidad and Tobago. I love the country. I love the people. Um, there's a there's a master that's there that trains. He's one of my students. His name's um, Ronald Ramlashan, and he actually runs the Trinidad and Tobago Tong Sudo Federation, which is specifically under me. And it's actually sanctioned by the Ministry of Sport. So it's like the official governing body for Tong Sudo in the, in the Caribbean. Wow. Like they get funding. Yeah. We, we took us almost about eight years to get that going. Been to Guyana, been to Mexico, been to Canada. I mean, that's kind of easy one right across. Oh man, Athens, Greece. I mean, it's been crazy. I, in March, I'm going to Denmark. I'm doing my first Tonsudo seminar um, for Eric Christensen. Uh, he's part of our federation, and I'm going to be heading out to Denmark to teach. Um, so, martial arts has opened up, you know, the traveling opportunity, the instructing, uh, business wise. Um, we started a couple different martial arts federations. Um, I have my own Tonsudo organization, which is called Tonsudo International. Um, we have uh, it's a little bit smaller. I only have about maybe 25 clubs that are part of it, uh, but it's something we started about three years ago, four years ago, um, which is growing. Um, but my biggest, my biggest baby is my NAFMA organization, which stands for the North American Federation of Martial Arts. Uh, we started it um, actually back in 2003 and officially registered. I think it was 2005. Um, and we built that up. We have over 250 active clubs. Um, we host, four different uh, national events. Then we have our actual national championship. Uh, then we do a world event every two years. Uh, we have like a national team that we put together. And there's just some great, great families that, uh, you know, that we've been friends with and come aboard our martial arts uh, organization, um, which has just been unbelievable. And then uh, I think uh, the biggest thing is actually how, how, how you and I met would be um, last year to open up the doors. I had been working with uh, Sifu Alan Goldberg, um, who owns uh, Action uh, Martial Arts Magazine and the, and the Hall of Fame and all those things. And um, I had been running his War of the Shore tournament. Uh, we met, I want to say, about maybe eight years ago. And, um, you know, I came in, I took over the tournament, and we've been running consistently, and it's been very profitable for both of us. And last year, we started talking, and I said, hey, you know, what's going on with the magazine? And, what you know, he's like, ah, you know, I haven't published it in about a year, and I'm doing this, and, you know, I'm not sure what I'm going to do. And I said, you know, listen, so we, you know, came up with a with a business deal and, and decision, and 
I got the opportunity to uh, effective as of uh, December of last year. Uh, I became uh, the new publisher for for Action, you know. And uh, Alan's still on the board. He's uh, he's uh, on the board of directors, uh, but I'm I'm the new publisher, and we have a staff uh, that works for us. And um, um, you know, really put us in a different position because uh, I never published a magazine before. Uh, so this was definitely a new venture because <laughs> you're not busy enough, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know. I probably, I, I feel like I do the damage to myself. You know, I just add more and more and more on. So, <laughs> and, and then my recent thing, which, which, which is like two months ago, a good friend of mine, James Jefferson is involved with, uh, warrior Island comics and they just released a fourth comic. And uh, I got involved with that. So I have a character that's actually part of the comic book. So that's my newest picture that I'm doing too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I don't have enough. <laughs> uh, so wait, why bring the magazine back then? What what was it about uh, the magazine that made you want to take that on and reboot it? So I had picked up the magazine as a kid in 96, maybe 97. And um, I think that's when they had first started publishing it. And I was like, wow, this is a really cool thing. It was black and white. And it showed some of the local names that I knew of. And um, even as a kid, I was always amazed by Black Belt Magazine, uh, Michael D. Pasquale's magazines and Karate International and all these different things. And I felt at the point of my career now, I'm starting to know a lot of people, getting involved. I have international exposure, international contacts. And I said, man, I said, you know, I think the magazine would tie in great into the platform that I have to keep pushing this martial arts. Because it's not just pushing me, but it's pushing everybody that's part of the family. And what I mean by the family is everybody that's in martial arts. So whether it's you, whether it's uh, the local martial arts school or anything, the magazine can be a vehicle to help them, whether it's to expose them, their event and get more publicity for the event, or maybe it's to give kudos to the up and coming martial arts person or, you know, give honor and homage to the martial arts legends. And and that was kind of the the platform that we really tried to reestablish the magazine with. And um, the first person we had on the cover was uh, Soki Hassan Kalik, um, uh, which is a very well-known martial artist for New York. And uh, we're very, very excited, which actually the new magazine drops next week, uh, right before Christmas. And um, Billy Blanks, I mean, Grandmaster Billy Blanks is going to be on the cover. And, and I had a pleasure of working with him uh, a couple of years ago. I brought him into a tournament and we made it, you know, we just made a good connection. Uh, and he was so gracious to be on our cover and interview and, and do other things like that. So um, again, we're looking to kind of give back to the community, give an opportunity and a platform to, you know, honor the past give the stage for the future and, and just help push this, this art. Um, I know a lot of people say print publication is going out. I know that, you know, but I, I like, yeah, a lot of people say that, you know, if you look at, if you look at black belt magazine, you know, it's not the 200 pages that it used to be. And if you look at this magazine and that, but there's still clientele that likes that. And I, and I feel that, you know, the magazine is, is, is a great opportunity to, like I said, showcase those things and, and put it in people's hands. You know, I know everything's on the internet and, and we are also going to go to a digital copy online, but there's still some nostalgia about a print magazine that people hold, you know? So, so we, you know, we wanted to sure. bring that back and, and, and make it more modern. You know, our design's been great. Um, real good uh, friend of mine. Uh, he is our graphic designer, a developer for the magazine, Master Brian uh, Moraney. He's uh, based out of Galloway, New Jersey, right outside Atlantic City. 
great, great guy. Um, he's a graduate of Full Sail University, and uh, we're lucky to have him on staff. Um, he's also a very accomplished um, cup weight master, a contra master. He just got his ranking, and uh, he's part of our staff as well. But we redesigned it, revamped it, and I got to be honest with you, it's hot, man. The cover's hot. <laughs> it is. It is. It's, it looks. It looks really, really great. Now, what is it about the magazine that's going to resonate with the the community and separate it from stuff like Black Belt and uh, Tai Chi magazine and, and things like that? So, what I've always felt, and don't get me wrong, I those magazines are amazing. You know, homage to them. They they were the first. You know, everybody think you know Black Belt magazine's kind of the pillar. They're the lion on top, and then I think you have these other magazines, but those. Some of those magazines are very hard to network with, and some of them um, are not attainable to the local karate guy. You know, somebody that's maybe got a great idea that wants to get their article out there. You know what I mean? Sometimes they, the, you know, those guys are so big, they may not respond, or maybe there's not an opportunity to get featured. And I'm hoping that we can be more of that grassroots magazine to help people and still keep it, you know, that homegrown, home feeling to it. Sounds good. No, that sounds good. Uh, now, uh, you mentioned uh, Warrior Island comic. Uh, what other projects do you have going on? And tell me more about this comic. What, what exactly is this all about? So, Warrior Island was the brainchild of my good friend James Jefferson. I have known James Jefferson for, oh man, almost 15 years, uh, successful fitness trainer, uh, used to run Global Proving Ground, which was an MMA circuit. Uh, Warrior Island was like, a, a, I think, a TV pilot program that he was doing of different MMA fighters that were invited to this island. Well, what he did was is he expanded on the idea and came up with almost like an anti-bullying type message within the comic and and released his idea within a comic book so he has like two artists on staff and each comic resembles what warrior island is and how the warriors get there and um, all the warriors have different codes that they have to live by as a warrior and it's funny i got introduced into the program because i'm the grandmaster bearer of the weapons tiki so every master that's associated, every character has a specific tiki. Like if I remember correctly, I think Alan, uh, Sifu Allen actually has the, the, I believe it's the honor tiki. I'm pretty sure that's his. Uh, Ron Van Cleef is involved. Um, Henzo Gracie's involved. Um, Dan Severin's involved. And each person kind of has a tiki that they feature. Well, I'm the weapons tiki. So what happens is, is I think in the story, uh, James and Dan Severin actually come to my school and they kind of see me teaching kids and they kind of like, you know, trying to find out because they're on their way to uh, Atlantic City for a tournament. So, which is actually like true, you know, true things that actually happen. <laughs> um, but no, I got to be in it. And you might say, you know, why in the world would you do that? I got to tell you, yeah, it was for my kids, you know. I'm like, how cool would it be to be involved with a comic book? I thought it was a great opportunity. So I said, hell yeah, I'll do it. I said, I'll be part of it. I said, just make sure I don't look uh, terrible as my guy. And, and the funny thing is, <laughs> Jabbar, uh, uh, Jabbar is, the, is the artist. Great, talented guy. I think you guys are going to hear a lot about him. He drew an amazing Grandmaster Jose Torres. And I got to tell you, this guy's like my Monday man crush. I think he can give uh, 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 the Rock Wayne Johnson a run. So so now I got to go to the gym three times a, a, a day, not a week, three times a day, so that hopefully I will look nice. like the comic book character version of myself, my avatar. <laughs> very, very cool. 
No, that's awesome. Uh, so what other projects do you have going on? Do you have other stuff that's in the works other than the magazine and the comic? I do. I do. So uh, we're actually going to be opening up uh, two new programs at two new schools, um, which is awesome. You know, it's always exciting to expand uh, our Team Torres brand. We are um, have our, our NAFMA national team is going to be attending again Trinidad and Tobago um, this coming summer. Um, now, this this uh, coming May is our NAFMA Nationals, which is our NAFMA premier event. Uh, we normally average maybe four or 500 competitors, and it's just a great, great, great event to come to. Uh, but we're running a Tong Sudo extravaganza, so I'm actually flying in uh, Grandmaster Jung, who is a 10th on, and he's the current president of the uh, World uh, Tong Sudo General Federation. He's going to be flying in, and we're doing this Tong Sudo extravaganza where we're going to be doing seminars and testing and all these things, and it's going to be held in conjunction with our NAFMA Nationals, and we're going to do a Tong Sudo tournament within another tournament. So uh, that's one of our you know cool things that we're doing. Um, and then we're going to spearhead that event in Atlantic City, and we're actually going to host a youth Tong Sudo, and actually it's probably going to be more of a, a martial arts open um, in Seoul, Korea, August of 2021. We're actually uh, currently under negotiations with uh, Hanna Tour Company, which is a very well-known uh, tour company. A lot of Taekwondo uh, clubs and and uh, programs around the around the world use them, uh, and we're going to be putting together a an opportunity for people to go to Korea, train, compete, and sightsee in two thousand summer of two thousand. Wow! Yeah, yeah, that's going to be a great event. We're very excited. It's almost a kind of a dream of mine because you know we're looking to bring a nice big group. I mean, I think we're going to try to almost shoot for probably like about a hundred, hundred and twenty five participants from just the trip portion not competitors that's just the trip portion wow all right so you got billy blanks coming up in the next issue what else is coming up in the pages of action martial arts magazine and most importantly tell us where they can go to get their own subscriptions so this uh this coming our, our winter issue billy blanks is on the cover um we also have a great great article with martin cove and and and, and Cobra uh, kai season three is, is going to be dropping i believe it's this uh april i'm going to tell you so nostalgic to see you know they make great references to the 80s and and they make it more modern now and, and i think there's a lot of hype i think they've been having uh, over a million viewers uh to, to the youtube program and uh yes uh, we did get martin involved and martin gave us a great article um just talking about the uh, show and how he got back involved and uh, about the writers so i thought that was kind of cool um one of the new features of uh, this this magazine's issue is we got a uh, law enforcement perspective um we got an officer um named lenny golly um is also a tong sudo practitioner but he also has his own fighting system he's a police officer um so we did a great article on that and then we have an arnis our article that's going to be featured in there um as well as some new advertisers and and just a lot of new things in this issue a lot a lot of new things and i think it's going to be great to kind of lean on uh for the next issue that's going to come out so um if any of the uh, listeners are interested in purchasing action martial arts magazine uh we do have a website uh where you can actually sign up and we have a couple different ways that you can get it uh but if you go to www.actionma the initials ma magazine.com um they can buy a single issue which is just whatever the current issue is at that time um, or they can actually sign up for a membership so we have a bronze membership a silver membership and a gold membership which allows them a variety of different issues over the current year there's some other promo items depending on what membership they sign up for we also do have distribution in uh, some of the east coast martial arts 
uh, stores uh, like Big Asian World we have involved, Academy of Martial Arts we have involved, Ringo Martial Arts in northern New Jersey is involved. Um, we also have some distributions in some other states as well. But uh, it's definitely pretty easy to get to. If they go to the website, they can get the magazine right deliver right to their house. Awesome. And I will put that link in the show notes so anybody that wants to get in on the ground floor of the rebooted Action Martial Arts magazine, uh, go over there and sign up. Uh, Master Torres, thank you so much for taking some time to talk. Excellent work with Action Martial Arts Magazine. Excellent work that you're doing within the martial arts community. Best of luck with everything going on. I'm, I'm glad to be a part of Action Martial Arts Magazine and uh, I hope to be a part of it for a long time to come. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for the opportunity. Thank you for the opportunity to speak to the listeners and, and you keep doing what you're doing, sir, because this is a great thing that you have here. Um, I'm, I'm excited to be here. I mean, I'm kind of a little awestruck myself, so <laughs> keep doing what you're doing. And I appreciate the opportunity you're giving to, to the various different martial arts instructors and personalities and, and everything that you're doing so thank you awesome thank you so much and uh, best of luck with everything sir all right thank you sir huge thanks to master torres for chatting with me about the new action martial arts magazine exciting stuff going on there with the publication and with team torres itself so if you want to check out the magazine head over to www.actionmamagazine.com that link will be in the show notes you can grab a subscription there you can also follow them on instagram at action ma magazine Drop them a line that you heard them right here on the Kung Fu Driving Podcast. Now, speaking of hearing the podcast, shout out to Cora, a friend of my daughter who checks out the show and is excited about some stuff that I have planned for 2020, which, to most of you, is as of yet unannounced. I can't say anything about it yet, but just know that plans are in motion for something really cool, so stay tuned. Thanks for tuning in, Cora. In the meantime, give me a follow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Just look for Kung Fu Driving Podcast, or feel free to email me at kungfudriving at gmail.com. Now, it's the holiday season here, so before I sign off, I want to wish you and yours a happy, healthy holidays and a very, very happy new year. Thank you for sticking with me for another year, and until next time, Poison Clan, peace. Poison Clan rocks the world. Shouting monks on the hands, running down the thousand stairs. The fate of Lee Khan now's in King Yu's hands. With the fearless idea roaming over the lands. Yeah, the little bitch soldier is older than wiser. He wants a world of peace because he doesn't want to fight. Yo, got the venom mob laying down the law. Bruce Lee delivered kicks, guaranteed to great jars. Fight for the cars, then pass here. The pass, not the end back kicks will defeat the outlaws. Very good, but boards don't hit back. Yeah, the death jewels here, David Yee's coming back. The Tai Chi master, Jet Li's even faster. Could chat a little drink because he is the drunken master Once upon a time in China Rosamund Kwan is real fine But see Maggie chunk his spine off Golden Swallow has arrived Shang Chi movies will the hero will survive We've got the brave archer make his way to the top Of the mountain gonna fight May as well pick the spot Yeah the sky goes black Cause the vampire's back We've got Lam Ching Ying to kill them all to so stand back You place the black magic on the soul of the sword And our sword will travel until his body's on floors Yeah Wing Chun Shaolin and Manti style Yeah the Defeat the enemy and watch you run for miles Blood will spill now on the mountain tops When we bring back the soul of the legendary pops Welcome to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting Ha! 
this time it's warm We smash the place up with a dragon claws We walk into the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we get a drunk and then we're fighting Ha! This time it's warm We smash the place up with a dragon claws See it's a game of death, yo You're facing the big boss It's once upon a time and trying to count on the TikTok The Shogun Assassin's Lash and Blood are just drip drop The head kick, neck drop, balance that won't stop Wanna kill Bill, better get the assassins He's got her just in yellow But she is in the dragon, but in the tea rooms That's where it'll happen She got the bodies on the floor When the blood it'll splatter against the wall No fear at all, to kill them all There's always blood spilled when you head into a war Fearless Unleashed. The fist of legend that the car jelly I'm Bolo Young, yo, I'll always be a beast You rumble in the Bronx, yo, I'm rumble in the streets And it's simple, see the facts are these There's only ever gonna be one Bruce Lee Walk into the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting Ha! This time it's warm We smash the place up with a dragon claws We walk into the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine